0: All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the art and science of complex sales. I am here with an awesome friend and a partner and uh, someone that I look up to his ideas a whole lot. He's written a couple of books. Peter Strokor. Good day, everybody. Good day. Good day. I also forget to mention that we are talking to each other on other sides of the globe. It is tomorrow. Peter is from the future. And uh, so uh,
1: this will be a forward-looking podcast. (laughs) <laughs> That's right, but Paul. We should mention that uh, I also have clients in in North America, particularly in the U.S., particularly West Coast USA. So don't be afraid; whatever I say will be relevant to you as well.
0: Yes, yeah, so, but it's just in a cooler accent. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got the Midwest ho hum. I say that I don't have one, but I'm sure everybody has not But um, um, well, hey, I uh, no. Thank you so much for for coming on here. Real quick, I said you're the author of uh, a couple of books. Can you list those for and just a little bit about yourself uh, as we
1: get started here? Okay, cool. So the, the first book was called The One Team Method. And as the title would imply, it's about bringing your teams together as one to focus on the customer. So this is about an organization, if you like, whereby we're breaking down silos and we stop uh, talking between departments and we're just focusing on the same one thing, namely on the customer, right? So that's uh, nothing that uh, anybody would argue with that the customer is important and we should focus on them. So that was The One Team Method. The second book is called Marketing, Sales Smarter, Not Harder. And it's applying the same principle, but to your sales And marketing teams and also your customer success teams. Again, if your customer-facing resources are all aligned on the same object, namely on the customer, a lot of good things happen for your organization. And and I should say, Paul, that I'm kind of working on a third book that uh, has the tentative title of buyer-focused telling. And it's kind of narrowing that theme down even further to say, what do salespeople need to do? What can they do? What choices do they have to better engage with their buyers right from the start and then make the Closing easier for them, so uh, watch out for that book. Um, again, it's a tentative title, but it'll be a good one.
0: No, well, that's that's awesome because a, a lot of the stuff that we connect on, uh, Peter. And I, I, I have one question that I ask everybody, and I think this is going to uh, inform people about essentially
1: why some of the things we connect on. But is what is sales to you like? What is selling? Define that. Okay, so I'd like to answer that in two parts, Paul. Yeah, man. And one is let's let's just talk about what selling isn't, or or at least what it should not be any longer now, and that is if we ambush unsuspecting prospects with unsolicited outreaches like on email, phone, social media, LinkedIn, you name it, with offers that we don't even know whether they, they're even in the market for or not. You know, And uh, and everybody's heard the term pitch slapping, where mm-hmm. somebody connects tries to connect with you on LinkedIn saying, oh, look, we have contacts in common, let's connect. And you go, yeah, okay, fair enough. And the minute, the microsecond <laughs> that you connect with them, they hit you up with a sales pitch and that's pitch slapping. So nobody enjoys that. That's not what selling is. To me, Selling is understanding your buyer, understanding the market, coming from a position of authority, coming from a position of insight and knowledge, and helping, I'll say this again, helping the customer to make an informed buying decision. Putting yourself, figuratively speaking, on their side and putting, figuratively speaking, your arms around their shoulders and saying, look, let me help you make a good buying decision. And and that's really what the subject of the third book will be about as well. This is is, uh, fascinating to me because I've been on this journey
0: doing these pods and There's one common thread that I'm finding from all the top sales leaders. And, and that is this idea of selling as you, you mentioned the word helping, right? Other people say it a little bit differently, but as the top salespeople coming, being able to come alongside and walk with somebody to the outcome, that's best for them instead of, and and you say selling is changing. I have some really, like, I really want you to dive into that topic for me, but like I, I had one talk with a guy who's like, Yeah pitches. And uh, he said, there's one there's one time you should use a pitch and it's in front of a VC and you have 90 seconds, and you just got, you know, here's why I'm gonna change the world. You got to be able to do that in the elevator speech as well. And know that real well. But he said pitches have the way that you've thought of them before have have died, right?
1: And selling that way is gone. So what has changed? What has changed? And why is it changing? Okay, so as I mentioned, the traditional approach to selling particularly at the top of the funnel is to do as many outreaches as possible, like on you know, your martech stack, Uh, email, um, texts, um, social media, you name it, and also have SDRs calling out to not even prospects, suspects, and uh, and hoping to engage them into a conversation. And by the way, Paul, it's always struck me as crazy that we're we're trying to get the most junior people in the organisation, the lowest paid people, to reach out to very highly paid, time poor senior executives hoping to to secure their interest and and even an an, an appointment or a meeting. That just strikes me as crazy. And the the success rates are are abysmally low. But what do we do in response to those rates being really low in response to using those techniques that are not really working really well at all? We do more of them. <laughs> so so, so the, the the problem with that, I have two problems with that. One is that we're uh, we're putting a lot of effort, time, and money into areas that clearly are not generating a great return. We then are trying to automate that because um, it's made, that makes it cheaper, but it also makes it less human. And people know that I'm receiving this spam email that is also being sent to 100,000 other people. So I don't feel very special about it. Or I'm receiving this call from somebody who has no idea about my business or whether I'm in the market for the thing that you're selling. And I don't feel very special about it. So the second thing that, that I really find objectionable to this outreach method is that it turns all it turns about 98% of buyers off, you know, off from your company and off from receiving those calls in the future altogether. So your, your buyers are going. No, no, no! I'm getting too much spam. I'm getting too many um, cold calls. I'm, I'm getting too much stuff being thrown at me. I don't want to know about anything anymore. And they start, and they say, literally, they say, no matter what you're selling, I'm not interested. Go away. And Paul, you imagine what that does for the entire sales industry when we're choosing every single um, buyer, every single prospect off from even listening to what we have to say before we can even say it. So the the, the current approach is actually ruining the game for every sales rep out there. So how, how do you fix it? Like, it, I'll add some more context to that question. So.
0: I'm a firm believer in two things. One, I'm I'm a firm believer in, I love technology and sales technology, but it has to increase the effectiveness of a sales rep. And if my belief in that is that it needs to increase the ability for us to hold an actual conversation, right? right. So yeah. increase the odds and the ability for us to do that. The second is um, like, I am also a firm believer in that when you reach out to the right person at the right time with the right message, Right. You can go in that way, but you need to reach out to the right person at the right time with the right message instead of reaching out to everybody everybody at the, at the wrong time with the wrong message. How do you fix that? How, what are some
1: of your ideas relative to the industry and how we, how you recommend to the people they work with customers? Okay. So, so, firstly, I'm not surprised that you love technology. After all, you know, you're know working for Membrane. Yeah, I got, I got a hand on. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's no, a pink no hat, problem. too. <laughs> yes. no, no problem there. But I also love the idea that you say we need to use the technology to make salespeople more effective. Just with one caveat, that effective does not only mean more revenue per, per head. Effective also means we're enhancing the customer's buying experience. And tell so, me more. Yeah, tell me more. So the, the thing that I'm talking about in in, in in response to your question is, let's do more quality instead of quantity outreach. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so the more people I'm trying to reach with one campaign, the, the broader the audience becomes the broader the audience becomes, the broader I've got to make the message and it actually gets watered down and becomes less and less relevant for the the target audience. It's ironic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So why don't we just uh, do a better job with fewer higher likelihood prospects? Now, that means doing some homework. It means doing your research and, and understanding the industry that the prospect is in, understanding their organization, understanding the challenges and opportunities that they have, and then talking to those. So let's talk about the top of the funnel for a second. Regardless of whether it's inbound or outbound, Top of the funnel um, activities. I talk a lot about not selling and not pitching at the first point of contact with the prospect. The temptation is to go, "Hey, Mister Prospect, uh, we, we, we've got these products and we've got these services. We're really great. You got to buy from us." And it's all about we, 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 we. In fact, one of the um, 120 articles that I've written on sales talks about we, we syndrome. <laughs> 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 no, nothing to do with nappies. <laughs> Or diapers as you call them but, yes 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 but but uh, it's it's to do with not us not starting to talk about ourselves and and boring the prospect to death because they're in the meanwhile they go well what's it got to do with me yeah the the secret to successful outreach to a high likelihood high value prospect is by engaging them so i, I make a big distinction between reaching out to them and technology as we've discussed makes it really easy i can reach out to 100 people no problem but that doesn't mean i engage them so so the thing that i talk about is come from a position of authority, of insight, of expertise, and say something that makes the prospect lean forward and say, wow, Paul, that sounds really interesting. Tell me more about that. And I talk about the lean forward moment. So we must create that lean forward moment and get them to ask a question. Why? Because the minute they ask us a question, how does that work for my company? Tell me more about that. How do you do it? That's actually when they've given us their permission to sell to them, perhaps inadvertently, perhaps Subconsciously, but they have actually asked a question, and they've given us the right now to respond and talk about what we do and what we have and our products and the customers and everything else that we weren't allowed to talk about in the first outreach. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense.
0: It makes perfect sense. It's, it actually aligns really well with some of the techniques I've, I've taught throughout my career. Like I started early in two thousand seven, running a sales as a service organization. So we were one of the first ones. I was the founder of that, and it was it was it was interesting. But I always felt like, like we, we were supposed to prep these, you know, 30-second intros at the beginning. Like that's what some some of the companies wanted us to do. And I always found that the perfect like introductory script, we did a lot of a lot of research on it. We weren't like a make 700 calls a week shop. We we made, we had our team that essentially made between 100 and 150 highly researched outreaches every week, right? Which was it was good. And but the some of the easiest and great ways to engage were, for example, do you lead revenue for your organization? Okay. And I'm trying to understand if it makes sense for us to set up some time to chat and then asking one really strong question after that, right? No pitching, asking one really strong question after that. And some people, even if you said, do you lead revenue generation for your organization? they, Because they're expecting a pitch. It's instead, it's, no, I don't. But what do you really mean by that? You know, so there, it, it was a way to engage, engage at a human level, right? Without saying... Hi, my name is Paul. I'm with you know yada yada yada. We do appointment setting for a living, and we're going to increase your rates by we're going to increase your rates by six thousand percent. And I'm working with six people down the way that do the exact same thing as you. And I know we're going to work well for you. Do you have time? <laughs> so sorry for the long rant, but it, it just struck me that it's it's back to the approach that I just I, I leveraged a lot, which was I'm trying to understand if it makes sense to chat. Like that's all I want to do. Uh, did you say you did that in 2007 already? I did do that in 2007. That was the approach that, cause I, I failed at so many times. I was a terrible <laughs> SDR to start. I, I, I sucked as an SDR to, to begin with. And I sat, I sat there across from two guys that were real, like my initial job was with a a software company. And I got out of that after about nine months uh, and went to a company. I really loved the culture. It was another software security software company. And I had two guys that I saw across from Nick and John and Nick and John just, man, they could, they could talk. They were awesome they had been in business for a while they were strongest drs and just they're brilliant dudes and i'm just feeling i'm feeling like oh god okay i gotta live up to this i gotta live up to them but i could never i could never do it with a pitch like it's just not me like it's not who i am it's i couldn't say i'm with networks a- access control and we do this 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 I, I had to say hey i'm just trying to see if it makes sense to chat <laughs> you, yeah, you know we do this and anyways uh and it worked it actually worked and i it was it was a turning point for me when i started saying gosh I made sales out to be a whole lot more than you know, I built it up in my head to saying I had to say the perfect things at the perfect time to the perfect people.
1: Yeah. So well, Paul, man, I want to ask you
0: a question know. about that if I may. Yeah, man. I'm sorry, I was
1: rambling a bit, buddy. Well, that's right, didn't feel sharp. But the question I want to ask you're asking, the star. Well, we'll see about that. All but right. uh, but thank you. So the question I want to ask you is when you picked up the phone and you made that cold call, did you think of them as a sales opportunity a way to hit your, your quota? Or in your mind, did you think of them as a person I need to engage? There was a, I had a distinct shift, distinct shift in how I started looking
0: at, at people. And it, it changed my, changed one, my performance and two, my outlook on what sales was. So I initially thought it was a number. Yeah. And when it was a number, I had to be, I had to be perfect and I couldn't screw up. Hmm. I couldn't screw up the opportunity to talk to somebody. Because if I screwed up that opportunity, I knew for percentage-wise, I was only going to get a couple more, Right. So I wanted to be to be perfect. When I started seeing them as a person, and
1: myself as a person, that I gave some grace, it actually became fun. So, so what happened? And, and tell me if I'm wrong about this. But what happened was you went from a position of fear of failure to a position of I'm trying to do the right thing here for the buyer. Is that right? Ab- absolutely. You,
0: you, yeah, you read my mind. It, it, and it went from do the right thing and just have that philosophy mm-hmm. of okay, I've just. So I built out my sales philosophy over the years, and it's one of the things we've talked about. It's lead, serve, and wayfind, right? Those are the three things I think are you gotta do well. But if I stick by those, I can execute. Yeah. Um, and so it's yes,
1: the answer was a is a short yes, but I, I had to. So, that. so the um so to come back to the original question what's selling and what's not selling, and what how should you sell these days? You put yourself into your prospect's shoes. Right. Mm-hmm. By the time that you're talking at them, that they feel ambushed. Yeah, and, and they feel that um you're doing something to them. You know, mm-hmm. um, whereas if you give them the option of, uh, of opting out and you said, if you, if you kind of say, maybe just implied, if you don't like it, just, just say so and, and we will part as friends, that actually is, is not only differentiated to every other sales rep out there, but also um, it makes you more human and it makes them more interested in, in, in why you're bringing them and what you want to talk about, you know, in my experience. I Yep. Uh, that's one of the reasons why, why we're aligned,
0: man. So I think selling, defining selling essentially as, you know, the and, and we can get as technical as we want to in the definition, but it really is, it's fascinating to me. So many people are defining it as the way of essentially helping somebody get what they need or they want and walking with them in that Jersey journey. And I haven't had a single, not a single person that's a, that I've identified as a sales expert come and tell me that it's about the art of the pitch, the art of persuasion, the art of the presentation. Yeah. And that's that's really interesting I, I don't think that would have happened like 20 i, I don't know I, I didn't do this 20 years ago but uh it
1: it's different than it was presented to me when I came on and what I thought selling was about but but isn't it true that um every sales leader out there says you need to make more calls you need to you know fill your pipeline blah 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 and it all sounds like a, a bit of a robotic exercise which is why we've started to automate it all you know through through mm-hmm. Martech and sales tech. And and it's actually dehumanizing selling, and it it, it has the opposite effect. It's not, it's not engaging. It's actually cheesing every every prospect off. So how,
0: how do you how do you mix then the need for accountability and activity, with the the requirement from our from today's prospect of
1: differentiating yourself as a as a human as somebody that will walk walk with so, someone? So it's, it, it's 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 more than just being a human. You also need to have something interesting to contribute. <laughs> Right. So, so you can't just have a chat about the weather, or you know, or the the, you know, the, the family, or the holidays, or whatever. You, you you need to be able to say something that in, that is interesting in in, in business terms. You know? mm-hmm. So, the this comes back to the point I made earlier about you being seen as a subject matter expert expert who can help somebody make an informed buying decision. And and there's I say there's there's uh, three ways that you can engage with a senior prospect um, at the first point of contact, and that is either you make them aware of a business opportunity that they did not know they had, again, which means you've got to do your research, you've got to have the insight, you've got to know what others in their position, in their industry, at their size organization, experience and the challenges that they have and the opportunities that they have. So make them aware of an opportunity that they didn't know exist, existed because then, then they'll go, oh, you can make me look good to my boss. right? I want to know more about that. The second way is that you make them aware of a risk that they didn't realize they were facing. So this is the opposite of, a, of an opportunity. It's, it's something like, you can help me to not look stupid, to not fail, you yeah? know? And I want to know more about how you can help me rescue a situation before it's even occurred. Mm-hmm. Again, homework, insight, expertise. The third way is um, easier, and it doesn't require as much homework. Would you like to know what that is? Yes. <laughs> Good I'm taking notes. <laughs> I, I, I'm writing all this down. <laughs> the third way is to help the prospect to understand for themselves that they have a need for the thing that you're selling, whether it's a product or a service. And, and the reason is sort of psychological. If I tell you that you have a need for my product, you're going to go, yeah, right. Whereas if I help you to discover that you have a need for my product and it becomes your idea, then it's a much stronger attractor to wanting to know more. So then the question becomes, how do you help somebody to discover that they have a need for the thing that you're selling? And there's a number of ways. So so you could do a, an online self-assessment where they actually do a quick uh, quiz and they go, oh, actually, I don't know the answer to the question, or yes, I do have that problem, where they just have some revelation that they, they actually have a need, or you tell a story, and you tell a story about a client that uh, is in a similar field to them, that looks like them, where they've had that exact problem that they also have, and how you help them. And um, I teach my clients a three-step storytelling formula. Would it be okay for I share this 3 steps? Yeah, I would, I would actually love it. I would absolutely love it. Please do. Okay. So, And it's very simple. It's, it's so simple that you might think it's a bit too simple, but it really works because it makes it easier to understand, relate to, and, and more human as well. So the first point is, this is what this customer that also looks like you and has the same problems as you, this is what the customer was experiencing at the time when we met them. And it's not just the business challenges that they f- were facing, but it's also the impact of those business challenges on the individuals, particularly on the person that is the same, has the same title as the one we're talking to. Yeah. So if we're talking to a, a CFO then we want to talk about the impact on another CFO in another organisation of the same problem that this organisation also had. So, so, the personal impact. Okay. Yep, to make it yep, personal, to make it, more humane, to make it more humane and to more relatable for them. You mm-hmm. know? And that is because people don't just buy on logic and, and rationale alone. They they also buy with their heart. So so I teach my clients that if you can give the client the prospect a business reason, a business case to buy from you, that's great. But if you can give them a business case and in addition a personal benefit for them individually, like on the back from the boss, a pay rise, a bonus, you know that sort of thing. Uh, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> you, know, you come home more relaxed, and you bring uh, less stress into the home. For example, right? A personal benefit combined with a business benefit is much stronger than just a business benefit alone. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Okay. So the first first step is uh, talk about the customer, their situation, and their and their experience in terms of business terms and personal impact when we first met them. Step two, this is what we did for them. So we implemented our three-week program. We um, sold them this cloud solution. We, you know, whatever. And you talk about you're allowed to talk about we, we, we because you implemented your solution. Right. Step three is then this is what changed for the prospect. This is what changed for the customer. And ideally, it'll be the opposite of step one. The problems that they had. So all the problems that they had in step one went away. All the negative impact on the individual that we're talking about, the CFO, for example, turned into something positive. So they got a promotion. They got a bonus. Um, they. Went on a holiday, you know. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, there was a positive outcome for the business as well as for the individual out of the 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 um the thing we undertook in step two. So the the natural reaction of any human being is, I want that too for myself. So we've created engagement by being human, by talking about business, but also talking about business in, in human terms. Because if we just say, look, you know, we can increase your profitability by ten percent, that's great, but it doesn't really set my heart on fire. But if I say we're to increase your profitability by ten percent, and you get a bonus, and the boss will um, give you a promotion, you go, "Oh, I want that." I hope that makes sense. No, it makes perfect. Let me see if I can practice it. I'm
0: okay. no, seriously because it. it uh, I always think a good method is a good method, and a good simple method is one that you should be able to explain and practice yeah, like perfect. immediately, right? So, let's say if I'm talking to a manufacturing company, they have about ten million in sales. I'm talking to a. Well, let's let's say 50 million in sales. So I'm talking to a uh, um, chief revenue officer like myself and let me see if I could do. So the first is what they were experiencing. The second okay. is what we did for them. Yes. And this is how they were changed. So
1: Peter, the way to introduce a story, that, uh, sorry, a really simple, easy and benign way to introduce a story Okay, is to say, oh, Paul, that reminds me of this other customer, right? And then you tell the story. So so you do Yes. Yes. That
0: reminds me no, no exactly what what she just told me actually reminds me of, hey, I was working with WidgetX down the road. Jacelyn is there is their CRO, right and and she was having issues and it was it was massively impacting uh, her ability to make money for her family. so she
1: was not she was not able to hit numbers, right uh, and and what what defect did that have? It had a lot of stress on her family. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you imagine her coming home and the kids go, What what's for dinner? And you say, Well, we've we've got takeaway again, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the wife and, and the husband goes, You can't feed them takeaway every night, that's not healthy. You know, no. so, so so really build out the human factor, right? So she was okay, she was spending a ton of time. She was estimators were not hitting the process, not
0: yeah. they were not following the right process, they were missing on numbers. It was impacting her forecast. It ended up her being at the office for three extra hours a night trying to figure this thing out. And uh, the CEO was really on her because she was missing numbers. And she was not getting her bonuses because of it. And and meanwhile, it was impacting her family
1: life as well because she wasn't spending enough time with them. Exactly. And impacting her family life. All right. I, I'm really building out a structure. Yeah. So, so you can imagine. That's, but it's true. But yeah. She was like, stressed to the eyeballs. like She was caught between needing to do more work at the office, yet being missed at, at home. And it was like tearing her apart. It's tearing her apart. Excellent. Okay. So we set that number one. That's the first part of the story. And so then, then we, sorry, Paul. And no, yeah, would we'll be engaging to your opposite number, right? Because they go, Oh my yeah. god, that's drama. How did, how will it end? You know, mm-hmm. I'm hooked now. So, so keep going. Uh, no, you. I like it. This is this is good.
0: I like role-playing and this is fun. So my my uh next is so what we did for uh Jason and Kentag is we started small. So I we figured out a process that would actually help her track the estimating effectively, hold them accountable to to a process, hold them accountable to doing the same process again and again and again. What that did is it really tied into her pipeline and tied into her pipeline process and enforced it and made it actionable. Right. So she was not able to, I mean, she had the estimators working finally in a in a way that that every time that they were giving a quote, it was tying it at the right time at the right process to the right people within a system. Right. So she was not spending the extra hours. The good thing for her she's not spending the extra hours after work. She's finally getting a handle on her forecast in one place and she's doing it visually. She can look at it. She was finally getting a handle on it. So she's start, she was starting to breathe easy about it. And the, the difference that this really made in her was she was able to then go to her, her CEO and the board and say, Hey, I've done this. We've been out. And it was about, it took about nine months to get this, you know, rolled out, but she's after she starts getting those stats and things are reliable. It's taken that it took about an extra three hours a night of Excel work and forecasting and her sweating all the time. And she's, she's finally given reliable results. So she's home with the family. She's enjoying herself. She's hitting her numbers. And it actually, it, it flew through it. It's really kind of life-changing for her and her her family, as well as the company is now starting to really generate numbers. Yeah. So we actually do stuff like that. That's that's one of the things that Membrane actually does. I I know I'm giving a, giving a uh, a fictional story, but that would be a way. It would be a way that we
1: leverage you know some of the stuff that we do in market using your storytelling. T- so did I get an A B C D E one uh, two three? I, I want to give you a B because it was a little bit long-winded and, and a bit of stop and start there. The, the you actually nailed the first part really really well. Where you, you talked about the personal impact on the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you want your opposite number, because remember they're the same title. So you want your opposite number to actually feel that pain and go, oh my God, I, I, that's like me. you know, Or I don't want to end up like that because I can see if I keep going the way I am, I'm going to end up like this lady. So pipe one was really well well done. The second one was to me was a little bit too much about we, we, we. All you need to say is we implemented our XYZ system and it took nine months. But after the nine months, this is what changed for them. Right? And, it, and it fixed the business problems um, and it fixed uh, the, um, the lady's, what was her name again? It was Jacelyn Chaselyn. Jace it, it fixed Chaselyn's personal problems as well as her business problems. She's no longer um, fearful of being sacked. She's no longer fearful of getting a divorce. And she's no longer fearful of her kids hating her because she's never home. Right. So again, business impact as well as personal benefit um, comes out in point three. But uh, you know, with, with, a, with a bit of practice, you'll nail it in no time. I'll take a B. I'll take a B of the first time. I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. No, yeah, it's it, thank you. That's that's a
0: real world way to share a human story without pitching after you learn some of their problems and and make sure that it hits. So let me see if I got I got that three you gave me the that three step formula and yeah. you gave us the uh three, three oh, the other formula, that. the opportunity to know the risk. So it's the risk, it's an opportunity they didn't know about, and it's how we help them understand. Uh avoid um, the risk, yeah. Yeah, avoid We're the, to and the risk so and how the risk, yeah. That's right. It's a risk and sell. So I, this is real. I thank you. I think this is this is Information that people can leverage to help elevate the sales profession, not be salesy. This is real, right? This is actually diving in with them, helping them, having some game to be able to help them. But uh, I think this is awesome. People are going
1: to love it. So, can I just add something, Paul? Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of sales training programs focus on objection handling techniques, right? They do, yes. To me, that's baloney. <laughs> and okay. Here's why because if I have to wait to the end of the, the, the sales engagement, And then deal with your objections i've not done a good job in the beginning so i I wrote this article and i think i did a webinar as well uh, that i called opening is the new closing because if you open right and you get engagement right from the first get-go then the closing almost will take care of itself because you establish rapport you establish a bit of trust and you establish um, authority um, in terms of subject matter expertise and the closing will take care of itself because it'll just be a natural conclusion to the engagement process. Whereas if if I if I hammer you for an appointment at the beginning, and then drive the sales process forward, you know, which is what a lot of um, sales people tell you to do, and then handle the objections in order to uh, squeeze a deal out of you, it doesn't make me feel nice as a as a buyer. It, it makes me feel harassed and 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 manipulated. So the opening is super super important because if you do it right and if you do it in a in a human way, it'll lead to a natural conclusion whereby you end up with the deal um, without using cheesy objection handling techniques. I used to, uh,
0: cringe when, uh, I would have a, I had a couple, a couple of reps that would say, Oh man, I can't wait till I get that objection because I know I can knock it out of the park. And what that used, what that meant to me
1: yeah.
0: was you are waiting, you're waiting and waiting to hear keywords so you can deliver a, a prefab speech. Yeah. Right. That's and that's, that's a lot of times what ob- objection handling does is like, okay, you hear this, you say this, you hear this, you say this, you hear this, yeah. you say this. I always used to think that the only reason that I learned that is so I could forget it. Right. <laughs> so it could give me, it's something that I could fall back on, but it's, I always thought it was, if I don't, if I'm not seeking to truly understand the question, like I always saw it as a question. It's like, it's, it's, and if I'm not seeking to understand the question they're asking, well, you don't have this, well, okay. Help me, help me understand why that's important and where we're going with this and all this stuff. If I'm not understanding that, then uh, there's no way I can tee up a stock answer. Cause it's just not, and I've I've seen objections taught that way. So you're saying it's all about how we start at the beginning. It's all about how you position yourself
1: and your expertise. Is there any? Do you have any tips on that? Like well, um, the opening is the new closing, is what I'm saying, right? And um, by the way, your, your buyers are not stupid. They know when they're being dished up a prefab formula that you've rehearsed you know a thousand times before. It, it, they'll they'll sense that. Again, won't make them feel special, and they won't like the way that you handle their objections either, because they go ah, that's that's not really talking about me. That's just uh, your, your training speaking. You know, again. The, the human touch just goes bye bye when you do it that way. When you tee it up. Well I I have I can't tell you how
0: much I've enjoyed this conversation. This has been fascinating and uh, I think it's been hugely helpful to our um our listeners. Um I'm excited to have you as a partner and a friend and I really, really, really appreciate it. How do people get
1: a hold of you if they if they want to uh, learn more? Well you almost can't escape me. <laughs> 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 you're you're everywhere. I'm everywhere, man. So, so just go to peterstrikehop.com. That's that's the website. Look me up on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh Twitter. You know, all, all the platforms. Just uh just go and have a look. And if you want to send me uh an email, it's simple. It's uh, P P last name. So p at peterstrikehop.com. But really just make it easy for yourself and just look me up on LinkedIn. Oh, that's fantastic. And everybody, just so you're aware, that's
0: watching, right behind Peter is his website. Uh And you can read it right under Peter Up Advisory.
1: Um, And and can I say, can I just do a little plug, Paul? Yeah, please do. Please do. So if you go to peterstrokeup.com forward slash download, you can download for free and you're not going to be asked your name, phone number, and uh, maiden name of the grandmother. You can download my... (laughs) Just of the grandmother. Of the great-grandmother. Dave a great grandma. Gram- so so you, you can download a, um, a short document that outlines my philosophy on selling and offers you a free self-assessment. So this is the, the thing I talked about, the tool that I talked about earlier to help you to understand that you actually need for the thing that I'm selling, but you decide. right? So it's a self-assessment where you go through the modern selling process or the bio-focused selling process and you go, how close is my selling currently to that model? And, uh, and then you can discover where you still have gaps, where you still have bottlenecks or speed bumps in your selling process and where you have opportunities to do better. And all that's free of charge. So go to peterstrokeorb.com forward slash download and do yourself a favor for Christmas. Merry Christmas! I highly recommend doing that as well. I did it and it's, it was
0: extremely helpful for for me. Even if you think of yourself as a as a CRO, a sales expert, it's it's worth the look. And it's I I really appreciated your approach on asking those questions. So it was it was something that I really found helpful. So thank uh, you. I'll second I'll second the thumbs up for you. Again, peterstrokeorb.com and thank you so much for being a part of the art and science of complex sales. Love to have you back and we will make sure that that happens. And uh, we'll say goodbye for now.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. We'll see you.